Welcome to Second and Short. It is November 9th, 2022, and the Houston Astros are World Series champions just one year after losing to the Atlanta Braves. So um, we'll get started kind of where we left off last week, which is uh, Game 4. Of course, it's Game 4 that we miss. That's going to be the combined no-hitter. And um, that pitching performance was great. Um, I'm a a firm believer that uh, combined no-hitter is not a no-hitter. You have That's to put what combined. I was going to say. <laughs> I was literally about to say the same exact thing. I, I fully believe a combined no-hitter is a no-hitter. Yeah. And then, um, and, and you know, there's not much to talk about Game 4 outside of the no-hitter. So we'll just go ahead and move on to Game 5, where uh, a surprising headline that I didn't really know about until before this game started, that Verlander had never recorded a win in a World Series game. I was going to say, I, I also did not know that. <laughs> yeah, and so um, gives up a leadoff home run to Schwarber, so that breaks up the no-hitter real quick. And then uh, he bounces back. That's the only run he gives up, and then records his first win in a World Series game. And that Game 5 uh, is kind of when the world saw that the Phillies were done. Uh, I think that the Astros had the upper hand by far in that one. And it just looked like the Astros were probably going to come out in game six and dominate. And that's exactly what they did. Um, yeah. I think uh, everybody kind of saw this one coming when the, uh, with the Phillies being hot is they thought they could do something, but I don't think anybody besides Philadelphia fans really believed that the Phillies could pull off the win here. Yeah. And I, I think that probably comes down to the bullpen. Yeah. Um, that was a struggle of theirs all throughout the season. I know like that was really the only thing that when the Braves played them throughout the season that they could take advantage of was that, uh, as long as you can come in and hit after, uh, Nola or Wheeler comes out of the game and you can get hits before Alvarado comes in the game, you're going to be fine. And the Astros completely took advantage of that. And so, um, and the, the biggest one in particular is Jeremy Pena who won world series MVP in his rookie year, um, making the Astros not miss Carlos Correa whatsoever. Yeah, my uh, that's pretty good uh, stat or pretty good award to have behind your name, winning the MVP as a rookie. Yeah, and, and it's funny because he's not going to win rookie of the year. That's obviously going to Julio Rodriguez. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then the other big accolade is Dusty Baker winning his first World Series as a manager. And uh, a, a fun little stat, 73 years old. Uh, he's the oldest manager slash head coach to win a championship in MLB, NFL, NBA, and NHL history. So that's, that's pretty crazy. Um, you know, Dusty has been around the game forever. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard a stat uh, in the history of Major League Baseball. Dusty Baker has either played in or managed 3% of the games played. Holy shit. Yeah. That's so. About time to get a title. Yeah, and and also the alleged inventor of the high five. Alleged, yeah. Yes, allegedly. I I don't (laughs) believe that whatsoever, but he's allegedly the creator of the high five. But um, we'll go ahead and move on from that. Congratulations to the Houston Astros, of course. Uh, Yeah, good for them. Yeah, the Braves are going to win next year. So it's oh, fine. Yeah, Bravo's coming back. <laughs> yeah, uh, Braves in, in four in the World Series next year. I don't care who it is. But uh, we'll move on to uh, some of the college football results from this weekend. We'll start off with the the, the biggest game of the week, biggest game of the year, really, uh, is number three, Georgia, facing number one, Tennessee, in Athens. So final score, 27-13. Uh, Georgia looked dominant. 
I think I said this last week. No one in the nation can stop that Georgia defense. They are leaps and bounds ahead of every other team in the nation. I mean, not only do they have – I mean, like I say all the time, like I've said last week, I'm going to say again this week, their defense is so dominant. I don't think there's a single offense in the nation that can even compete against it. And then on top of it, their offense is it's starting to look pretty good. I think their offense is looking a little better than it did last year. Yeah, well, and then, you know, the Georgia felt so confident going into that second half that Stetson Bennett threw the ball three times. Um, so it's obvious that they, they're they going to keep working on this offense, and I know we're kind of getting to the end of the year, but uh, this offense just continues to get better every week. Um, you know, it may not look like it in that 27 points, but it, they were dominant for sure. Yeah, I think that's what people forget is, like, you don't have to score a million points to – be the best team just because they only scored what what was the final score 27 13 yeah i mean look at the time of possession i mean georgia and every facet of the game dominated they didn't give up a i don't believe they gave up their the touchdown until um the fourth quarter i mean i could be wrong but it wasn't until late in the game that uh, tennessee got their first touchdown of the game i mean georgia was so dominant that I genuinely do not believe anybody in the nation can come and do anything to them. Yeah, yeah, and you were right about that touchdown. Didn't come until the fourth quarter, which is super impressive. But then, you know, on the other side of the field, Hendon Hooker did not look like what we've been accustomed to of this season from him. Well, I think Hendon Hooker finally was – He. This is. I think I might have touched on this last week. He hasn't had a really hard home game – or, sorry, away game. And yeah. people may shit on the, or hate on the Georgia crowd and all that, but at the end, end of the day, Georgia can have some, between ninety and a hundred thousand fans. That's a lot of a lot of people cheering for your one on your one side. That makes a lot of noise. So yeah, I think sure. that definitely not having the crowd on his side and having to play against such a good defense, he was just not used to it. Not just wasn't there yet. And I'm mean, yeah. still a great quarterback. They're going to do great in the uh, Sugar Bowl, but. <laughs> yeah, man. And then the other thing that we see from this game is that, um, you know, yeah, Hendon Hooker, he didn't play well, but it's kind of like what we said about Will Levis last week is that he, he needed to look human one week. And, and this yeah. was definitely uh, as human as Hendon Hooker will look. You know, this is his floor, but. Um, I still think he's got a chance at the Heisman, uh, especially if he really balls out in these last three games. You know, um, you got South Carolina um, in Columbia, and then you've got Mizzou and Vandy at home. So Mizzou and Vandy at home is obviously going to be massive blowouts, but yeah. you know Tennessee's fate's not really in their hands. So what Hendon Hooker has to do is show everybody in the nation that he is the Heisman winner and that this team is for real. Yeah, and I think uh, they kind of go off topic here. I kind of think the SEC is kind of sealed at this point. We know who's going to be in the SEC championship game. Um, It's going to be Georgia versus LSU, unless LSU completely fumbles the bag in these last. I think they play Arkansas and A&M. Now they're both away, but Arkansas and A&M are both having a lot of issues. And, I mean, they should be able to, you know, win out the rest of the year, win the West. And then same with Georgia. Neither team really faces too hard of a challenge the rest of the year. To uh, So I think we already know what we're going to see in Atlanta. 
Yeah, yeah, and then uh, we can move on to the Big Ten, where Ohio State beat Northwestern twenty-one-seven, and obviously. You're like, oh, Ohio State only beat Northwestern 21-7. Well, it was the weather. Uh, 40 mile per hour wind gusts, and uh, the second half, it was it was raining cats and dogs. Yeah, but with that being said, I understand the weather was bad for them. And I you know, hate to always hate on them, but I tend to be right. Where was their run game, really? I mean, you can't be one-dimensional in football. To be a successful football, football team, it'd be two-dimensional. You'd be able to run the ball and pass the ball. And it looked to me like they didn't really run the ball too well when I was watching. Yeah, not really. Um, obviously, Mayan Williams, uh, he did have 111 yards and two touchdowns, and he was kind of their sole source of offense um, mm-hmm. because CJ, uh, probably his lowest attempts of the year at 26, was 10 for 26 with only 76 passing yards. And I get that that's all about the weather, but you got to show a little bit more for me in the run game. Because you're going to face these. Obviously, you know, a game like this doesn't happen often, but it's going to happen probably once a year. We see it. Yeah. We see it at least once a year for every team. They got to play that game in horrible conditions. It can't be shiny and 70 degrees outside. So, um, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. still looked good despite yes. CJ Shroud having 76 passing yards, five receptions, 51 yards. And then, um, Northwestern is Northwestern, so uh, they did nothing at all, uh, except for uh, Evan Hole with a 122 on the ground and a touchdown. But um, yeah, it was definitely even with the weather, it probably shouldn't have been this close. I I don't really get how Northwestern stayed in the game, but uh, they did until pretty late. Yeah, that was something I want to touch on. The you kind of said, especially with being in the Big Ten, their weather up there is never. It, you, you get the weather there's completely different than being in the south i mean you can get some rain down here but like you never have to worry about playing in snow or any like terrible conditions maybe early in the season hurricane type of weather but you never have to worry about anything too terrible to play in in the south but up north you know they have snow i mean right there off the sh- uh being right there on the that great lake right there in chicago for northwest you know you go there you should you have to prepare just in case for a terrible storm to come through and I have to agree, for them to be playing Northwestern, that game should have been at least one or two more touchdowns of a difference. I mean, they still played decent, but they did not look like anything too special to me. And I get you have your bad games, you have bad weather, you know, there are all those excuses, but you should have been playing a little better than what they were playing. Yeah, I was expecting at sure. least a lit- just a tiny bit more. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um but I feel like nobody's really going to penalize them for this. Um, I think that weather is just going to kind of blind everybody from from this performance. But uh, we'll move on to Clemson losing to Notre Dame. And this game was... The best game of the weekend, in my opinion. Oh, I yeah. I love praying on Dabo Sweeney's downfall. Yeah, yeah. There's, no, there's nobody I hate more in college football uh, than Dabo Sweeney because uh, I've never seen somebody make a, make a program more about themselves than Dabo Sweeney. But, oh, uh, dude. So much to say about him, but let's talk yeah. about the team. Yeah, that one would. Uh, that one. If we started talking about Dabo, we might uh, get into the five-hour range. <laughs> so, um, yeah. L- let's see. the The first big note I've got is that Clemson season is over, and DJ and this offense doesn't impress anybody. There are no standouts that I see. I, I don't think that DJ is. Uh, I-, I don't know if it's the offense 
that they're running or if it's DJ, but nothing about what he's done has impressed me. And then, you know, people kept talking about Will Shipley. He is uh, an average college running back. I don't see him making much of a career for himself. You know, he might go in to the NFL and kind of be a, a, a second option, but I, I don't, I'm not impressed at all. I have not been impressed by Clemson since probably their last national title. I mean, they have not done anything in the last few years to really just be like, oh, wow. I mean, to me, Clemson, uh, I think something uh, that Clemson fans need to realize is Dabo Sweeney's not Nick Saban. He's not going to bring you national title every year. So they need to just accept seasons like this. And college football fans in general need to accept this. You'll have some great coaches, coach some great teams, have some good players, but like not everybody's like uh, Nick Saban and Alabama consistently bring them to titles. That being said, I have a degree that I don't know. DJ's never impressed me. And I don't know if it's because they, they're, you know, pulling a Jimbo Fisher and he wants to run the same exact offense he's always run and doesn't want to change it. And he needs to, you know, play, get, set his offense up for his players. I don't know what the issue is, but something needs to be changed there for them to be successful. Because, I mean, they have not looked good at all this season. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think that DJ is the answer, and, and I, I think this might be the beginning of the end for Clemson as kind of a dynasty because, um, yes, this Notre Dame team has made improvements, but they're, they're definitely not a contender uh, at all. Uh, they yeah. haven't been all season. But um, they have made jumps, and I think Marcus Freeman has to do with that. You know, after week, uh, I think after the Marshall loss, everybody just wrote off Marcus Freeman. They were like, oh, he'll be gone in a year. He'll be gone by the end of the season. But I do think that he has turned this around, and um, you got to expect that kind of start from a first-year head coach who, yeah, he did. He was already with the team. But going from a coordinator to a head coach is a huge jump. It's a complete role change, and you can't expect everybody to get it in the first three weeks of the season. So you have to commend Marcus Freeman for turning this team around after a tough start and going and just kicking the hell out of Clemson. I was definitely going to point uh, touch on that. Um, shout out to Notre Dame. They played a hell of a game. And like you said, they've really turned around since that Marshall loss. They've been looking better and better. And again, I agree with you. You can't expect a first-year head coach to take you to the playoffs. It takes time. It takes building the program. Re- he's, gonna, he's having to rebuild the program to his brand. You know, he's no longer un, un, under the Brian Kelly brand. He's now the Marcus Freeman brand. So you have to brand your team for your coach. And he's going to, this year, next year, and the, honestly, the third year is really going to show as a coach what he wants in his program, how he's going to play, how he's going to be with the players. And then that's how he's going to be, you know, either be a successful co- head coach or a not so successful head coach. Is, yeah. And I've said it last week, this week, I'll say it every week. People need to stop expecting a Nick Saban. No one is going to be your Lord and Savior, best football head coach of all time. You have to give them time to build their brand. Yeah, for sure. And then um, let's go to uh, 
the Michigan game where <laughs> there's not much to talk about here, but Michigan beat Rutgers 52-17. And I feel like really the only headline would be that Rutgers had the lead going into halftime, which I think caught the nation off guard. Uh, yeah, it caught me off guard. Yeah, for sure. And so Michigan then comes out firing. They put up 28 in the third quarter, which is just ridiculous. And then, um, you know, it, it was it was over. I do like that. Uh, something I want to say about Michigan is I was not expecting to come out as fiery as they were. I was expecting them to come out with the win, but I was you know expecting to be like one, two touchdowns. Not expecting twenty eight and a third. That was yeah. I don't know. That's something that they've needed to work on, and I and I mean here it proves it. I mean yeah, Rutgers is not a top tier program. Whatever they're you know lower tier Vanderbilt. They're the Vanderbilt of the Big Ten, but they. But Michigan went into the locker room, they made the adjustments that need to be made, and they fixed what need to be fixed. That's something that makes a championship program is being able to go into halftime, whether you're up or down, see the issues, adjust to it, fix it, and then go back out the second half and be even more dominant. Yeah, and, and I, you could probably attribute uh, Michigan's first half struggles to having to just spend any time at all in Piscataway, New Jersey. Uh, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but... Um, yeah, that, that just sucks in itself. But, you know, <laughs> coming back out in the second half and, and just kicking some ass is always going to make you look good. But uh, we'll go on to uh, the probably Georgia-Tennessee was the biggest game of the week. LSU-Alabama was the most exciting game of the week. Um, so to me, being a fan of an SEC West team, I was really looking to this LSU-Alabama game because – I watched what LSU, the LSU and Ole Miss game, and I was like, wow, LSU looks drastically different than they do from week one. I mean, they, they look like a completely different team. They finally started to, uh, to play for one another, and they were looking like a much better team. And I was really excited for this game because Alabama's not been Alabama this year. And I've said it last week with the, I think their penalties have been an issue. They're not as disciplined, but something yep. I really. This game I watch very closely, intently. I don't think Bill O'Brien needs to be there anymore. No, I, I think he's got to get fired probably at the end of the season. Um, I think you know Nick Saban could probably chalk up this year and not worry about any drama midseason. But, yeah, as soon as they play the Orange Bowl or Citrus Bowl or whatever they're going to play in, uh, once that game's over, uh, Bill O'Brien's getting the boot. But, um Let's see. Bama didn't record a touchdown until the fourth quarter and had two failed two-point attempts, which is that was insane. That is, I mean, if you look at the game, they went into overtime. They hit, they just kicked the, I understand why there were two points. I don't blame them. In that situation, I understand why. But I think Alabama knew they could probably score at will. So if they just kicked those PATs after uh, kick, kick those PATs. Keep it just what I think it would have been a one or two point lead, yeah. uh, if I recall. And yeah, they could kick the field goal, get the lead. But if your offense was at, towards the end of the game, their offense wore that defense down, and they knew it. So why not kick the uh, point after, get the one point, go up a score, go up two scores, you know, or go up you know two points. Yeah, exactly. And then you know your offense struggled all night. And then you get into the fourth quarter, you score a touchdown. That's like the only way that you can get your team back on their feet. And then what you do is you go for two, you fail it, 
and your offense loses all of the confidence that they had after scoring that touchdown, and then you do it again. And it's like, okay, kick the PAT, at least the first one. At least kick the first PAT and just let your offense have this touchdown that they just scored. Yeah, but then you just beat them into the ground by going for it again, and they still don't get it. Their confidence is at an all-time low. Yeah, and then you um, take it in overtime, and of course, I mean, that's a very hard play as a defender to try and defend against what LSU ran on the goal line for two-point and OT. Uh, I mean, their defense looked halfway decent, but uh, right, like it says right here, they're there was nine penalties for 92 yards, mostly on the defense, and you just can't have that. Yeah, it was bad. But then, you know, we, we kind of talked about it with Marcus Freeman, uh, his former head coach, uh, which is going to be Brian Kelly. He's fully turned this team around, and I don't think Brian Kelly's getting the recognition he deserves, uh, not just from this game for the whole season, but uh, in particular this game, everybody just wants to talk about Bama – not being the Bama that we're used to. But LSU won this game, and they did it by hitting Bama at their weak points and just kept on taking advantage of all of the mistakes that Bama's made. And we haven't seen every team do that this year, but it's obvious, you know, Tennessee did it for sure. Tennessee kept it fast-paced, and the Alabama defense couldn't keep up. LSU did the exact same thing, and I think Brian Kelly deserves a lot of credit for this win. Yeah, I mean, I've given personally given Brian Kelly a lot of crap over the years. I've always called him overrated, all that. And I still, deep down, do not believe Brian Kelly can win a national championship. I do not think he's that clutch of a coach. But I do believe he'll be able to get them into positions, too. Yeah, I, just yeah. don't, I wonder how long he'll be at LSU for, if he's going to wait till he wins a title or what he's going to do. Because I think he can get him into position, but I just don't believe he's that clutch because he's been in the position with Notre Dame. He's had great players, and he could not win those big games. He, now, he won a few big games at Notre Dame, not like Alabama big, but some big games. And it's time to see uh, if he can do that here at LSU. But I, uh, it's, it's very exciting to finally see these big teams like LSU, Ole Miss, Georgia, Tennessee back to being good again. Because that's what makes college football exciting when you have multiple good teams good playing each other. So then when you get to tail end of the schedule, you know, all these games are actually important. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And then uh, and so that kind of rounds out the the biggest games from this week. But uh, let's look at a couple of the, the other games that happened this week that, you know, there's not too much to talk about with but are still important to the scope. Uh, which is going to be TCU remaining undefeated, uh, beating Texas Tech 34-24. And I, I think this is kind of the the worst we've seen TCU. They started out pretty bad, and Max Duggan, he didn't have an outstanding game like he has um, these last couple of weeks. But, you know, no matter what you can say, TCU won, and they are undefeated. Yeah, and I think you know, that should say something for them uh, come these rankings, which... I have purposely not watched so I can get you can get my uh, live reaction, but um, I uh, TCU, I think their 2014 squad is was a be- is still a better team than this one. Uh, just gonna say it. I I said it earlier. I don't think anybody can beat Georgia, so I think whoever ends up playing Georgia in the playoffs is gonna get smacked. Um, TCU's good, but I don't think they're that good. 
Yeah. They'll make yeah, it a and, fun game through most of the game, but I think when fourth quarter comes, Georgia's going to pre- prevail like they always do. Yeah. And, and TCU, if they do sneak into four, um, I, I have a feeling it'll be a, a little bit of week one for Georgia. I have a, I have a feeling that anybody who sneaks in at, at number four is going to be a fun week for Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then um, speaking of, of Georgia having fun, uh, we'll, we'll go to this Oregon game. Uh, Oregon and Bonix are impressing the nation right now. You know, they come off of that first loss, and, and everybody's like, oh, this isn't working. The The Bonix experiment did not work. He's still the same guy. And then now it's it's week, what, 10? And we're talking about Heisman watch for Bonix. I definitely think... Something that uh, I'm guilty of it too, you know. Just you like to jump to conclusions very quickly, but with football players, it takes a while to build chemistry. Yeah, he had. I think he transferred uh, early this year. What was it? January? It could have been December. I don't remember exactly, but he really only gave himself six, seven months to get prepared with these guys who've been playing with each other longer. And I think with each game, I mean, you learn a lot at practice, but you don't truly get to know someone until you're in the in the game day environment until you're you know you back into the wall and you need each other and each week they have just looked better he's looked better he's gotten more and he's really gotten very comfortable in the system that's another thing is it take a quarterback has to be comfortable in their system and he definitely has been at each week you can tell he's more and more comfortable with that offensive system out there at Oregon yeah, but then, you know, you can't overlook the defensive struggles just across the board in the Pac-12, especially yeah. when you compare him to his years at Auburn, where he's facing SEC defenses that probably have like five guys on him. They're going to be in the NFL next year. And so, you know, he kind of gets away with his little, oh, there's pressure. Let me run 10 yards back and then throw the ball 50 yards down the field. He kind of gets away with that in the Pac-12, but it's still impressive when he does it. Oh, it's still very impressive. I mean, it's kind of like I say about the Big Ten, Big 12 as well. No one plays defense like the SEC does. Yeah. I mean, every year. I mean, I'm I'm sure if you were to look into the NFL right now, the most squad, the most players on every NFL squad is from an SEC team, you know, because I mean, I said it last week, the recruiting the biggest recruiting spots, especially for defense, are from the South Atlanta, uh, Georgia, Florida, Texas. The yeah. best defensive players come from there, and they, you know, their hometowns here, so they stay here. So the defense here is much different than everywhere else. But you, you know, it's just I think I'm going to repeat myself again. I said it a few minutes, a few seconds ago. Georgia's just so dominant. I think anybody who plays them in the playoff is going to go in for a rude awakening after they played them. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, let's move on to this next game, which I only put in here because we talked so much shit about them last week. Uh, Number 16, Illinois, loses (laughs) to a horrible Michigan State team. And we said it last week, uh, and I feel like there's nothing else to say. Illinois should not have been ranked at number 16. And much like we said, the reason they were 16 is because don't uh, both Michigan and Ohio State have them left to play? I believe so. Let me let me fact check that real quick. But uh, go ahead and you know, keep talking but about that. Or either one of those teams still still has to play them, so they ranked them that high 
to give either Michigan or Ohio State or both of them, oh, they beat a number six, a top 15 team, a top 20 team, and that's why they ranked them there. And, I mean, they were just doing it to help the big, the big fish. I mean, it's like we kind of said last year, last week about LSU. We thought, I mean, I'm not going to lie, I thought Alabama was going to go into Death Valley and embarrass LSU. I thought LSU was going to be on a high horse after beating Ole Miss, beating the rival, you know, being on a high horse there. And they, they, I mean, they showed up, they were confident, and they, play, uh, they played with confidence, they played with poise, and I was impressed. And um, they beat the number six team, which is helping them. And I, I don't think the committee was expecting that when they ranked them that high. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm looking at uh, Illinois' remaining schedule. So they don't play Ohio State. Uh, they do have uh, Michigan, uh, not this coming week, but uh, the week after. And that game um, will probably be big to see if Illinois makes it into the top 25 to finish the year. Uh, right now they're 7-2, and two, so they're, they're making a bowl game, so top 25 doesn't really matter. But I do yeah. think it would be a big step for this program to uh, make it into the top 25. Yeah, to finish you in a top 25, that's a very big, big step for a program that hasn't been ranked in, I don't think, my lifetime. <laughs> and I've yeah. been on this earth for, you know, a while. And I cannot remember a single time I've ever been like, hey, you know, go Illinois. I mean, the only Illinois fan I ever knew was from uh, MASH. So... <laughs> and for anybody wondering brock said he's been on this earth for a long time and he just said he watched mash but he is 19 years old so uh <laughs> we'll move on to the next one which is um this oklahoma state team that just it, it, the wheels are falling off they've lost two in a row now uh last week they get shut out this week they lose to Kansas, who's kind of been sliding since that, that amazing start they had. Uh, they lose 37-16. Hey, man, all I know from that game is Kansas is going bowling. That's awesome. And Lance Leipold, I think I said it last week, Lance Leipold is going to get some money this offseason, whether that is staying in Kansas or, you know, there's going to be some big schools that have uh, coaching jobs open. You know, I mean, Lance Leipold could be in Auburn, Alabama by January. Yeah. He could be the next guy there. I mean, look what he's done there. Apparently, I've seen a lot of things. Uh, I mean, not to completely switch here, but Hugh Freeze, they're really apparently looking into him. So we'll see that. But that's for another conversation, another time. Yeah, Oklahoma State, that uh, definitely – I was not expecting him to drop two in a row as badly as they have. Um, yeah, Kansas is a different team than they have been in the past. I mean, this is not like they lost to a the uh, you know the usual zero and twelve Kansas team. This was a this is a decent Kansas team co- with a good coach, and he's got motivation behind the boys now. Um, but can oh, oh sorry, Oklahoma State should not be should not have lost should not have been shut out at least last week. Yeah. This game should have been a lot closer than what they had it. I don't know if it's Mike Gundy having you know not getting the boys excited or what it is, but. Something's going on in there. Something's going on with that program right now, and he needs to get it fixed because they are a better program than how they've been playing. Yeah, and in those first like six, seven weeks, people were saying that Spencer Sanders had a shot at the Heisman, and now it it looks like he's got no chance. But yeah, I I agree with uh, you saying that Mike Gundy might need to do some changing because 
I don't want to blame it on Mike Gundy because he's done a great job with this Oklahoma State team, and I know he cares. It's his alma mater. Of course, he wants to do a great job there, but you gotta have you, you gotta show your strengths on the field, and I, I feel like they don't do that. They fall flat on their face a lot. Yeah, to me, it's like obviously he had a lot. Of, he's he's been there for a long time, and he's had a lot of success there. But at what point do you kind of look like, okay, I've had a lot of success, but what can I look, look into and see what can I change to, ma- to take us from being good to great? Yeah. And, 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 oh, go ahead. Well, what I was just say is I just don't think he's done that. I think he can get the success and he can get there. I, I'm not saying he doesn't want to be great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I, everybody wants to be great. But it's like you're right here. You've been here for the last 10 years why can't you be here at the next level? I, I mean, you, you're right here, and you're so close to being at the next level. Why can't you get there? What are your issues? Why do you, like you said, why are you falling flat on these games that you should be winning? I mean, you yeah, have the it, athlete. You have the talent. I mean, he seems to have the coaches. He's a good coach himself. What are these issues? You need to find them, figure it out, and get it fixed. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm looking at it right now and just realized – uh, Spencer Sanders didn't play uh, this past week. So they did start uh, a freshman at quarterback. And I'm looking at their depth chart. So Spencer Sanders is a senior, and he's their starter. They have three freshmen backing him up. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> so um, Garrett Rangel, Rang- Rangel, not sure how to say that one. But um, he's the one that led them in this game. And he didn't have a bad game. Except for the turnovers. Yeah. Three interceptions, you're not going to win the game. Um, so, yeah, this, this Oklahoma State team's got to work on something. And I think the big thing is the defense. They're, they give up a lot of points. Uh, I mean, not to hit on the entire Big 12 conference again, but when you look at them, you don't think, oh, there's defense. You look at them, you go, oh, offense. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, Brock, without looking, I want you to tell me, What's the lowest, um, the lowest points? Oh, well, actually, never mind. I was looking at it wrong. But the lowest points they've given up was to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Which, first off, shout out Arkansas Pine Bluff. They have the best logo and some amazing merchandise. But um, Arkansas Pine Bluff, they only gave up seven points. And then Arizona State, they only give up seventeen. After that. Lowest well, is 25. Also fired their head coach, I'm pretty sure, this year. Yes. Yeah, Arizona State uh, fired. Oh, they're kind of in a, yeah, they're in a bit of a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. But then when you look at, let's see, the last five weeks, the lowest they've given up is 31 to Texas Tech. And you've got to question that defense. And obviously, like you said, the Big 12 is not known for defense, obviously. But you're not going to get anywhere without one. Yeah. I mean, I I know I bring them up all the time, but look at the 2019 LSU squad. Greatest offense to ever play college football. Only one team comes to compare to that offense. That's 2020 Alabama. With that being said, that defense... It's really stepped up towards the end of the season in 2019 and really started playing to a much different level, and they started to win by even more. I mean, you look at the beginning of that 2019 season, 
yeah, they had the best offense ever, but their defense was ranked towards the end, towards the bottom end of the of the FBS. And you know, they they looked at it and said, "Hey, we can't win with a defense like this." And so they got in the boy. You know, they, there's all the stories about the boys got together, got to talking, coaches, everything. And they started each week. Their defense progressively got better and better. And then by the end of the year, obviously, they went from being ranked very lower end FBS to upper middle tier, not top defense. Not middle of the road, but right in that in between that sweet spot area, and they went and w- went on to win the national championship. You know, to nobody's surprise, but that defense stepping up definitely left no question in anybody's mind that they deserved to be the national champions. And all these teams now, they love all they care. Everybody, all everybody cares about is scoring, scoring, scoring. That's what's gonna get the fans, and that's what get bums in seats. What you need to be successful, and every coach knows this. Is it all that matters? You got to have good defense and a good offense. If you're both middle of the road, both middle of the road offense and defense, you'll go eight and four, have a great season, go to a nice little bowl. But a defense is a lot more important than what people uh, than what people think. Again, look at Georgia now; they're yeah. the best nation because Tennessee, I think, ranked like number one in mo- or like top five every offensive category. And Georgia made them look like they were a peewee football team when they stepped into Athens. Yeah, and you definitely put up some great points there. Is that, you know, as much as people want to make fun of the saying, defense wins championships, and that is 100% true. And we saw it last year. We'll see it over and over and over again that you can't win if you give up 45 points a game. Yeah. But... uh. Let's move on to the NFL. Uh, I'm just going to quickly just go through some final scores and then uh, come back and talk about a couple of the games that I really liked. Um, so Eagles-Texans on Thursday night, 29-17. Noted uh, Texas, or sorry, the Texans' helmets looked amazing. Well, yeah, they definitely did. <laughs> dude, that, like, sh- that super shiny red, oh, dude, that was clean. But... um. And then Chargers beat the Falcons 20-17. to 17. Uh, The only thing I really have here is um, uh, Texas, uh, former Texas kicker Cameron Dicker, um, second game of the season for him, for his second team of the season in his rookie of the year. He's made two go-ahead game-winning field goals. I mean, if you watch that game, you saw the Falcons blew it. They just pulled a Atlanta Falcons, stripped the ball, running, down the field, and then they fumble it and give it back right back to the Chargers. Yeah, and it doesn't do that. help that earlier Drake London just kind of stood there with a the ball in his hands, and it just well, got ripped too. out. So, I mean, there were a lot of uh, errors there by the Falcons, but the Falcons are a decent surprise this year, not expecting what we've been getting. They're really meshing and looking pretty good. Um, I hope to see them do better because, you know, they've been kind of a poverty ever since 2016. And they've gotten rid of a lot of things, and they're rebuilding. And I know Marcus Mariota is not going to be their quarterback in the next few years. They're going to get, they're going to draft a young guy, and I'm, I'm excited for their future. Yeah, I agree. But uh, let's move on to uh, Lions Packers. Lions upsetting <laughs> the Packers, fifteen to nine. And I, I gotta say, um, I've been watching a lot of Aaron Rodgers in my life. He is. This had to be one of the worst games of his career. The three interceptions, two of them into the end zone. Like, this guy is just, it's not Aaron Rodgers. I per—I refuse to believe it. I don't know what he's done. Maybe it's his offseason doing all the different drugs he's been doing or what it is. <laughs> but he, yeah, that, he just, 
I mean, back-to-back MVP winner, and now he looks like a bottom-tier quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, no, he, he, I, there's nobody in the world could possibly say that he's even top 15 right now. No, he, he just does not. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he doesn't care anymore. If he's, you know, reached his peak in his mind and he's just going to ride out this wave or whatever it is, but he's got to figure something out and got to figure it out quick. Yeah. And, and then, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week is that the Packers still aren't going to utilize the run game. It, it's crazy. You have two running backs that are extremely successful running backs. You know, AJ Dillon hasn't really had like that full opportunity to shine for like a whole season, but you know, he can get you the run. You can get you the yards. He gets 11 carries. You're, you're like $30 million running back. Got you nine carries. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, something here that uh, it's an unpopular opinion, but I kind of think it's about time. I think it's about time the Packers and Rodgers, you know, this is the end of their ride together. They, he's been there forever and all. But I think it's time for him, for them. He still has a few more. He's, I'm not saying he's done, but he's got a few years. He has, you know, more than a few years left in him. They just need to trade him away, get some good draft picks for him, pick up a good quarterback, and kind of like rebuild, reset their offense. Because, I mean, he's still a great quarterback. He still has time left in him. I mean, hell, he last year he was the MVP. Not saying anything against him, but to me, it kind of just looks like this, all they care about at the Packers, in the Packers organization is keeping Aaron Rodgers. And there's more to a football team than just a quarterback. Yeah, totally. I mean, as you, as you, as you said, they don't care about this run game because they want to keep Aaron Rodgers happy by letting him continue to throw the football. Yeah, well, and it's not going to keep him happy if he keeps throwing it to the wrong team. But um, yeah. and that'll get into how the Lions' defense looks pretty promising for the future. Uh, a, a lot of young guys on that defense that really stood out. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson getting his first and uh, probably first of very few interceptions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's an end. <laughs> yeah, you don't, but... <laughs> you don't get that too often. Nevertheless, it is impressive. Um, oh yeah. So, congrats to the rookie. But, um, yeah, we'll move on because I, I don't want to talk about that game anymore. It sucked. But yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Dolphins barely escaping the Bears. And the biggest thing, and I believe we talked about it yesterday, that um, this Bears team does, doesn't have the right offense for Justin Fields. And now it looks like they've changed everything because you've got Fields getting, like, I think he had 170 in the air, 170 on the ground getting the touchdowns like he looked really good with this offense it it just happens that the bears traded away every defensive weapon they had so they lost yeah i don't know what that was about i guess they're trying to get i guess they see a couple people they want in this upcoming draft or the next few years but i agree they should not i i think it's very good to see the bears finally understanding hey maybe we should work for our players instead of working against them you know (laughs) Because, I mean, for ex- I hate to break about college football, but to use uh, Jimbo Fisher as an example, you can get all the five-star athletes in the world, but if you don't use a playbook that utilizes their skills, it's a waste of talent. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I, I think there is a team that knows how to run their offense, and it's the Dolphins. And yeah. Tua, Tyreek, and Jalen Waddell are 
just ridiculous. Tua had 302 in the air with three touchdowns. Tyreek, seven receptions, 143, one touchdown. And then Waddle has five receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. And I'm going to go ahead. I'm, I'm staking my claim. This quarterback and two wide receivers is the best in the NFL. I mean, very few people can uh, go against that right now. I'm trying to think. I think the only contenders are, are, are going to be Josh Allen with Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good one, too. I, but, I mean, I have to agree. They're, they're, each week, they're just putting up some crazy statistics together. And they're looking like they're, having, they're playing fun, having fun, and just looking good. Some of the... Uh, Dolphins. I mean, they they have a pretty decent run game. They have. I mean, when you're Pat, when you know, your both receivers are usually averaging over 100 yards a game. Sometimes up in the two. You. I mean, you don't really need to run the ball too much when doing that. But you know. Yeah, and and then they still had success on the ground because they they've got two pretty solid running backs with Raheem Moser and Jeff Wilson Jr., who's their new acquisition. And uh, this offense looks extremely well rounded. But I, I don't see them making much of a run into the playoffs with this defense. Yeah, that was something else I was about to touch on. Is that I say it about every team. Defense wins championships in every sport. you got to have a defense that complements your offense. Yeah, so for if sure. You're a, if you're a score-fast offense, you know, you, can, you know that anytime you get the ball in your hand, you're going to be able to get down the field and get at least three points. All right, then you need a defense. You, you can have you just got to get a couple good players on your defense. Couple, you know, you, really for something like that, you got to have a really good linebacker, one amazing linebacker. Like you know, your defensive line has to be you know at least mediocre and some pretty good safeties. But if you have that way, you can you know you're gonna get the stops when they're needed. So they just got to you know figure something out on their defense. Yeah, but uh, and, and another team that we're gonna move on to. It's kind of in a similar situation where they have a great offense. It's just the defense is the question mark, and that's the Bengals. Uh, they beat the Panthers 42-21, and uh, Joe Mixon had the game of all games. Five total touchdowns. Um, he looked insanely good, and I am happy to have him on my fantasy team. Yeah, I'm kind of pissed. I traded him away because he was because I, I needed a couple other players to you know, fill up my roster. I mean, it's been working out for me, but I'm really mad I got rid of him. And this was earlier in season. But looking back, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> yeah, it, but it is not often that we see a five-touchdown game. But um, <laughs> the other side of the field, uh, Baker makes his return. And uh, to probably everybody's surprise, he didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, that was, you know, very surprising. Not ex- <laughs> You know, you see Baker in the game, you're expecting at least a few. Something with this Panthers team that gets me mad is they drafted a quarterback in the second round, Matt Corral, who, you know, they, he could have possibly – I'm not saying he's the answer for them, but he could have possibly been a better quarterback than Baker, Sam, uh, Darnold, Darnold, you know. He could have been better than them. They could have put him in there. He could have been there for a few years to get them winning again. And then, but what they did in the, the preseason is they had him against the fourth string of line and got him hurt. They just, and I, that was with Matt Rule. And I, I mean, not to completely hate on Matt Rule more than I have before, but he made a lot of dumb decisions that you can tell it's kind of costing the Panthers. And I think at this point, they just want to 
just basically lose out, get a good get a couple good draft picks, and pick up some good players. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll move on to Patriots Colts. Uh, Patriots just kicked the hell out of the Colts, twenty six to three. And I, I feel like the only thing to really talk about here uh, is that Sam Ellinger was sacked nine times for sixty yards and threw a pick six. So he is struggling, and uh, the Colts decided to do something about it. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Maybe it was this morning. Uh, I think it was yesterday morning firing Frank Reich, um, it, it probably needed to happen at this point. I agree. Definitely needed to happen. Um, I believe it was last year or the year before they had a lot of success, looking pretty good. And then this year, you know, they looked like they were, gonna have, they were having a promising future, and then all of a sudden they just faceplant. You know, they step on a rake and get hit in the face. Like, what is going on with them? Yeah. Uh, uh, let's move on. Nope. Sorry, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, there's so many things you can say about them, but I hope they find someone to fix their situation because they got some good players. And I kind of like watching the Colts be good. Yeah, no, I agree. They've they've got players that I want to see do well. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Pittman, you know, they've they've got a a good group of guys that are very entertaining to watch. And just right now, that, that team's just struggling. Yeah. But uh, we'll move on to, uh, I'd probably say the biggest upset of the week. Uh, I, I haven't, I didn't look at any spreads or anything. But uh, the Jets upsetting the Bills. Um, first off, I, I was I watched the opening kickoff of this game and it was hilarious. Uh, it, it was raining a little bit um, at MetLife Stadium and the Jets kicker just slipped and like spiked the ball into the ground and it went right to the Bills. So the Bills started off like on like the 50 or 40 yard line and then they get it to the red zone and Josh Allen throws a pick and like it was like that play was designed to go to that Jets player yeah um yeah I mean I said this earlier everybody every team every player everybody has their bad games and hopefully for the uh, Bills this is their bad game um because the Jets are they're they're a good team, but they're not a team they should have been this close with, really. Yeah, and I will say the Jets are definitely on the come up. They they've drafted very well uh, over these past couple of years, and they've really built something that that could probably be sustainable. Uh, I don't think that Zach Wilson is going to be the guy that leads them, you know, into to maybe winning this division uh, in probably the next couple of years, but. He is serviceable at the moment. You know, when Zach Wilson's not throwing picks, when he's not forcing this offense to do something, the Jets play well. When Zach Wilson kind of tries to take the game into his own hands and starts pulling some random stuff that he doesn't need to do, that's when things get out of hand. And I think he just needs to focus on let let the defense get on the field. It's okay to punt here and there. Don't just give him the ball. Yeah, I think he's you know he's a young guy. He still has a lot of learning to do, a lot of a lot of maturing to do when it comes to the you know just the game in general. I agree with you. It's it's okay to allow the punt team to come out and let defense go on, especially when you trust you, if you trust your defense because you you just can't because what screws you over is when you force when you try to force something, you throw a pick and they get it and you know 
they return to your red zone. They return to your side of the field. You know, that, those are things you cannot give up. Just calm down and just let it happen. Yeah, and then another young guy that is really showing off on this team is Sauce Gardner. Uh, he got another interception today, and I I feel like he's probably the front runner for defensive play, or uh, defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other rookies. I think he's just performed the best so far. Yeah, uh, you've got oh, – I, I can't remember the guy's name uh, out in Seattle uh, on defense. I, I believe he's a safety. And then you also have uh, uh, Brisker uh, with the Bears, who's been playing really well. But, um, yeah, I think Sauce Gardner is definitely the, uh, the front runner. I, I agree. And, I mean, he also has a lot of you know, ESP and the other sports outlets behind him. So, usually when you have that much when, – when they're starting loving you that much, you, you know, that's usually when you can – you tend to get the award because it will get them more coverage or whatever. But yeah, and then you know, there's one more thing uh, about this game, and it's that, and we talked about it in some of the college football games, is that uh, Josh Allen looked human. You yeah. know, it's crazy when you know we think of Josh Allen as like this superhuman player that you know he doesn't make mistakes, he throws bombs. He he didn't play well in the passing game. Uh, obviously, you can. <laughs> For some reason, he's just the best runner. He he's got eighty six. He got eighty six rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. One of those rushing touchdowns was like a, a thirty five yarder, I think. And it, it's crazy how this looks like a bad game, and he's still impressed. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to be a superhuman every single game, and um, that's something like I, I was saying it earlier that people forget is you got to let. I mean, at the end of the day, these are, like you said, are just humans. Yeah. You just got to let, you know, they're going to be those games where they don't play to their full potential, whether it be, you know, an assortment of reasons. Shit happens, and they're going to have not the best game, and you just got to adjust to that. Well, what I was going to say is, like, the people that when they don't play to the best of their abilities or whatever, kind of like with Alabama not being undefeated right now, you cannot just go ahead and start criticizing them and hating them, saying they're terrible, this, that, the other. You just got to understand, shit happens, and you need to just let it happen and move on. Because shit's going to happen, and they're going to try their best to adjust it and fix it. Yeah, so now we'll move on to uh, uh, Vikings commanders. Uh, the Vikings narrowly escaped the commanders 20-17. to 17, And uh, I feel like the big headline here is that the Vikings overcame 10-point deficit in the fourth. Uh, they scored 13 unanswered, and they uh, finally looked really good in the fourth quarter. Um this Vikings team is weird. They, they've lost one game. It's to the undefeated Eagles. And I still don't feel like they're really a contender in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you got to win the fourth quarter. When you, yep. when you look at football, I mean, yeah, I mean, a full game is important. But at, when it comes to the end, you have to win the fourth quarter to win a football game. That's something they got to work on. I, I don't know too much about them i've been paying a little bit of attention but not too much but i definitely think um there's some there's a lot of room for improvement there yeah and then uh we saw kirk cousins on the plane that that's the funniest thing ever i think just because of him transforming he should they should just win it all but <laughs> yeah because like we saw him when he was in washington he was like the weird guy and like like yelling at 
people about like, yeah, you like that, like all this stuff, and then gets to Minnesota and everybody just kind of forgets that he exists for a little yeah. while. Um, because now, you know, Stephen A. Smith and, and people like that are just calling Kirk Cousins is like a term for average quarterback. So seeing Kirk Cousins shirtless on the plane with all the chains on is this like it's this weird like alter ego that we've never seen from Kirk Cousins. Yeah, it's kind of like when your dad tries to be young again. Yes, exactly. It's like the vibe I get from it. Yeah, except like Kirk Cousins is just sneakily ripped. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) he's an athlete, man. Yeah, that's as much as I want to talk about Kirk Cousins. So <laughs> we'll move on to uh, the Jags beating the Raiders. Uh, boring. Every that's... Raiders game this season is going to be boring outside of when the ball goes to Devontae Adams. So one thing I do want to say about this Jags offense is Travis Etienne is is forming into a great running back. Yeah. Like, he looks so good on the field. And I... It could be in part to, you know, him and Trevor are obviously very familiar with each other uh, playing at Clemson together. But I feel like like Travis is, he, at, at Clemson, he was a great running back, for sure. But he was almost outshined in that offense by Trevor Lawrence. In Jacksonville, Doug Peterson seems to be wanting to go run first. And so Etienne's kind of taking the upper hand on Trevor now. And, you know, we don't see as much from Trevor. And I think Etienne, by probably the end of this year or next year, is going to be a a top 10, maybe even top 5 running back in the league. Yeah, I mean, he's looking really good. Um, I I just, I'm really, it's kind of, I like seeing the Jags do good just because I like Yelan Duvall. Yeah. that you know, Evan Ingram's on that team. Uh, he he had a great rookie year with the Giants, and then he kind of fell off. He's looking a little better this year. I mean, not a top tier tight end or anything, but looking much better. That that team down there is looking a lot better than they have in the past. It's 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 always nice to see a team that's done that's been having a few bad seasons look good again. Yeah, well, and it helps that your coach isn't Urban Meyer anymore. Yeah, it really helps when you don't have Urban Cryer as your head coach. Yeah. But uh, we'll move on to Seahawks, Cardinals. Uh, Seahawks beating the Cardinals 31 21. And I have zero notes about this game because, it, as much as you would think that a game where 52 points were scored would be eventful, it, it wasn't really. Uh, Kenneth Walker had a great game again. I think he is personally my offensive rookie of the year. The only person yeah. rivaling him is Damian Pierce in, in my book. But Kyler Murray still doesn't look great. Obviously, D-Hop adds uh, uh, an intensity to this offense that definitely could scare some teams, but uh, it, it doesn't seem to be doing anything. I think we got into this uh, last week when it came to the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury didn't really do anything when he, I believe he was at Texas Tech beforehand. Yep. Had a bunch of mediocre seasons, if not losing seasons. Goes to the NFL, has one bad year, goes then goes 8-8, eight and eight, then takes him to, uh, I believe he won his... Took second, to the, took him to the playoffs, whatever. Yeah. And then this year again, just kind of, eh. I personally don't think Kyler Murray is the answer for them at quarterback. But then again, I've never really been the biggest Kyler Murray fan. He's a good quarterback, do not get me wrong. But I just don't know if he's the guy. And, you know, he still has a few more years to prove a lot. But um, they got to figure something out there because they have a lot of good players. And yeah. they're 
not really doing anything with it. Yeah, I'm sure the Oakland Athletics would gladly have him back. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, you know, they're about to go to Las Vegas, so, I mean, he'll be right there. Yeah, and then uh, the other uh, 4 o'clock slate game that I wanted to talk about is uh, Bucks rams This game was, like, the epitome of a Tom Brady game um, as of this year because their offense looked so bad all game. Both teams did, really, and, and both of these teams suck this year. Yeah, and last year they were the front runners, and I mean the Rams won the Super Bowl last year. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and the Bucks the year before. So you would think that this game would mean a lot more. Um, yeah, you know the Bucks end up taking the lead in the division uh, with a losing record. You know what the the NFC South is, is um, sad this year. Really, that's all I've got. But uh, I I do want to kind of get into this detailed winning drive because. The Rams screwed themselves. So the Bucks get the ball with 54 on the clock on their own 40, and then Brady drives them quickly down the field. Uh, they get to the Rams' seven-yard line. Rams commit a pass interference, puts Bucks on the one with a couple seconds on the clock, and, of course, Tom Brady passes for a touchdown, and they win the game. But the Rams lost this game when they came out in a prevent defense with 54 seconds on the clock when neither team had a timeout left. Yeah. Like, you easily could have gotten an early stop, and the game would have been done. But uh-huh. you come out and prevent defense, you let Tom Brady throw under your offense, of course they're going to gain yards, he's going to run up and spike. You let this happen. If yeah. you would have... Not... Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was, I'll let you finish your statement. Yeah, like, if you would have just stopped them, even in field goal range... It didn't matter because you were up by four. Yeah, that's something that uh, I just don't understand. And they do it at every level from peewee all the way to the pros. Why do people get so safe so quickly? Play aggressive all the whole game. I understand if it's, you know, you're playing prevent defense because they're able to pass it down, you know, throw 40 yards every time or something. But, I mean, if you're stopping them pretty well all game, why are you changing your defense? Why fix something that's not broken? I mean, yeah. there are so many football games I can bring up where people just got complacent at the beginning of the fourth quarter. They stopped doing what was working, started running the ball, and then built, built up momentum for the other team. They came back and won. Yeah, Don't- well, and, like, why were the Rams concerned about the, the Bucks trying to burn them if they set up in a normal defense? When they couldn't do it all game. Like, yeah. what is the point in just letting Tom Brady have easy passes when he couldn't throw downfield for the entire first three quarters, the first four quarters, really, except for this last minute? And I think something that, like, especially when you switch to prevent like that, that, that doesn't show a lot of confidence in your defense, even though they were performing at a great level, or I don't know if they were performing at an amazing level or just the Bucks' offense was just being bad that game or what it was, but when they're performing as well as they were performing, why fix it? That shows, then when you change it up like that, that shows you have little confidence in not only those players you switched around, but just the defense as a whole. Yeah. And that's not something you want as a coach. You don't it, want it, to criticize your team like that. It really confuses me, and 
I know like Sean McVay, and I'll still say it, I don't even care that they only put up 13 points and they lost to the Bucks. Sean McVay is still one of the best coaches in the league. Definitely. Just because this team sucks, it's not his fault. But Sean McVay loves to do this little thing where he just jokes around about like, oh, I might not be here next year. I might retire, like all this stuff. I kind of think he might retire after this year just for fun. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't been coaching that long. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won once. Who cares? You got your money. Get out. And that, you know, that kind of goes back to, you know, what what do you want to be doing? You know, you'll get bored, whatever. But like if he, I mean, it's kind of like with Ed Orgeron down at LSU. After he won his national title, he gave up. It's not fair for you as the head coach, especially as the head coach, to just basically give up and just say, hey, you know what? I'll, I'll try on game days, but during practice, you know, y'all do whatever. Or, you know, I'll, I'll be there. Or I won't be there. You know, I'll let whatever, whoever do. If you're the head coach, you have to be fully involved every single day. You cannot, you have to, you just cannot give anything up. You have to be as strict as you were day one. You have to, you know, show them who's boss. Cannot give up on your team like that because then they will not play well. Again, using LSU 2020, 2021 at Orgeron. He stopped. I'm not, I just heard rumors and all the stories from there. They said he just kind of stopped coaching. He just, he's coached a little, but he just kind of didn't care anymore because he reached his pinnacle. Now, is Sean McVay, has he done the same thing? Who knows? Yeah. And, and I will say that the second he retires, he's getting a TV job. Because the guy oh. knows how to read the field, and I got a feeling that he'll be definitely like a Romo type in the booth, or even just like doing halftime show, pregame show stuff. But no, he's he's a great analyst of the game. It's just about, you know, is it worth sitting around in the NFL when, you, you know, you've already kind of reached the pinnacle. I'm pretty sure he's won coach of the year now. He's won a Super Bowl. What else is there for him to do? Yeah, and I agree with you. I mean, me personally, I would want to stay in coaching as long as I possibly can. But, like, for some of these guys, like, once you reach – I mean, obviously, I have not reached my pinnacle. I said many years before I get there. But I can't imagine after me reaching my pinnacle wanting to just stay there because I, you know, like to reach my goal and then set another goal even higher and I have to attain that and keep attaining it. So, I mean, it's different for every person. But if he has reached his pinnacle and he's done – then to be fair to his team, his fans, you know, everybody, he should just go ahead and retire with him. Yeah. And then uh, let's go ahead and get into this last game, which was Monday Night Football. Uh, Chiefs, Titans, Chiefs win. Or sorry, was this Sunday night? This was Sunday Night Football. Yeah, um, I believe so. But so the Chiefs beat the Titans 20-17 to 17 in overtime. And... um the, the crazy stat from this outside of what uh, happened in the game is that this was the fourth 20-17 to 17 final of the day and all of these games finished with a go-ahead game-winning field goal. Crazy. Like, that is the weirdest thing ever because normally, like, it's, it's a different score in every single game uh, across the slate. So seeing four of them with the exact same final score and they all finished the same way outside of the Chiefs and Titans going into overtime. Yeah, man. The simulation must have been broken or something. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a weird one. And then, uh, of course, you know, Patrick Mahomes kind of did his thing. He did all the work for the Chiefs. Uh, they were down 17-9. 
14-yard rushing touchdown and then runs it in himself for the two-point conversion to tie it up. Uh, they go to overtime. Chiefs come out, kick a field goal. And then um, the game is on rookie and I believe second game started uh, for Malik Willis. And this is kind of the first time he's been forced to throw the ball. And it did not work out. Uh, he got sacked two plays in a row for 17-yard loss. And they just had to uh, turn over on downs. So I think Malik Willis can be good. Obviously, it's his second game. So nobody can really say anything. But um, it, it sure did not look great today. I mean... Something we have to remember. I mean, you said he's a rookie. He's got a lot of learning ahead of him. You know, it takes you a while to to get adjusted to uh, college football. Now he's having to get adjusted. Now that you know he's in the NFL, even more high pace, even harder place to get adjusted to. It's going to take him a little bit to get adjusted. I think he's got a pretty good future ahead of him. But uh, they definitely need to play him more. Be a little. You know, they were very conservative. with running the ball, but they need to give him a little more passing so he can get a little more comfortable in that uh in his passing game. Something yeah. that uh the Titans did, I commented on before, that was stupid. Don't know why they get rid of AJ Brown, especially if they knew they were gonna get a young wide or sorry, a young quarterback. Why get rid of a top five wide receiver in the league? Doesn't make any sense to me. And now their offense is hurting from it. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, Derrick Henry is just going to do his thing. You know, it, it is his time. Once once uh, November hits, uh, really late October, Derrick Henry really just turns it up. And, you know, you can't you can't run a successful offense or, or even a, a Super Bowl contending offense if all you can do is run the ball. We talk about it all the time with teams that are one-dimensional but it's normally in the passing game. You know, we talked about it earlier with Ohio State and college football. And there's a couple teams in the NFL where it, it's all passing game, and it just doesn't work. But with the run game, it's even worse because you put yourself in situations where, oh, shoot, Derrick Henry has 30 carries, and the clock is running out. Like they're, they're not giving themselves enough time to score, and then it puts Malik Willis in a bad situation, and everything falls apart from there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. They're definitely very one-dimensional up there. I mean, you have Derrick Henry. It's hard not to be one-dimensional because he's a freaking semi-truck. Yeah. I mean, I would personally not want to be the linebacker having to fill the gap against the dang freight train coming through the hole. But, yes, I agree with you. You cannot be one-dimensional running. And, I mean, the best part about one dimension, being one-dimensional running is running the ball does set up the passing the ball. You know, those play actions, you know, helps open up the passing game a lot more than a team who's one-dimensional pass, passing, trying to get to run the ball. Yeah. Um, and then the last game, uh, Monday Night Football, uh, Ravens-Saints. This game kind of sucked. Uh, Lamar Jackson threw his 100th career passing touchdown, so congrats to him for that. But, for- um, yeah, they're, the lead receiver for Baltimore uh, was Isaiah Likely. He had one reception 24 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, yeah, this game was boring. Uh, I I never want to watch Andy Dalton play football, and definitely not on primetime. I'd like to avoid it at all costs. Alvin Kamara, still just, I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the the lawsuit with him beating the guy up. It's kind of gotten his head or something, 
but nine carries, thirty yards. I don't, I don't know what's going on in New Orleans. Yeah, I, I mean, it goes the entire NFC South. We expect this behavior from the Falcons and the Panthers, but the Saints, especially the last ten years, I understand um, their coach finally retired and or stepped away from the game, whatever. And they just didn't really. I mean, they lost Drew Brees, they lost their coach, and. They don't really. It's they don't really have their identity anymore. It's time for them to pick up a quarterback and fix everything because they still have so many good players. They can be a great team. They just need to. They just have a few things they need to fix. And I think uh, they'll be. They'll definitely get that fixed here soon. Yeah, and so now uh, I want to move over to um, something that we talked about. Um, last week a lot, which was the college football playoff ranking. Uh, of course, we're recording now uh, just after it came out, uh, but Brock has not seen it yet. Um, so I, I'm, I'm sending him the picture of the rankings right now. But um, in the meantime, I do want to talk about our projected uh, top tens, which we posted on uh, some of our social media accounts. Um, so we'll start off with my top 10 uh, going 10 to one. I had Ole Miss at 10, Alabama coming in at nine, USC at 8, and then 7, LSU, 6, Oregon, 5, TCU, 4, Tennessee, 3, Michigan, 2, Ohio State, and number 1, Georgia. Uh, and then, Brock, if you want to read off your top 10. Uh, my top 10, starting from 10 going to 1, is Ole Miss at number 10, UCLA at 9, USC at 8, Oregon at 7, LSU at 6, Michigan at 5, Tennessee at 4, TCU at three, Ohio State at two, and your reigning national champions, Georgia, at number one. And then uh, have you been able to uh, open up that picture I sent? Yeah, I got it okay. pulled up. So uh, I'll, I'll just quickly uh, walk through the uh, the like 11 to 25. So uh, 25, Washington, 24, Kentucky. I, I don't think I expected to see Kentucky this low at this point in the season. Uh, I thought they'd be a little bit more of a contender, but um, a, a rough game against Missouri last week and obviously that horrible loss to Tennessee the week before. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Will Levis needs to turn it up. Uh, I'm not sure what year he's in. Uh, I, I believe he's a junior. Um, obviously, he can go out now. And probably still be a first round pick because I mean, of this quarterback second. draft. Yeah, they're putting him at number two in his QB class. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. But uh, we'll move on from that. Uh, Twenty three, my Florida State Seminoles. Uh, I'm super Ooh. happy about that. Um, it, <laughs> I didn't watch very much of the LSU Alabama game because I was watching my Knowles beat the living shit out of Miami. Um. So we'll move on. Uh, staying in the state of Florida, UCF comes in at number 22. And like we said last week, uh, you can put one of the big group of five schools there and nobody's going to say anything because they have no clue how that team is doing. But uh, UCF is playing pretty well. Yes. Uh, and then... We've got smells on. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, some For some reason, we've just decided in the last week that we absolutely hate Illinois. And they come in at 21. Um, well, I don't hate them. Don't, don't <laughs> get me wrong. I, I like them. They're, they're, they're a respectable program. But when you, you know, last seven years, you've gone, your best season's been a five and a seven. We got to take a step back here. All right, you're having some success. 
okay, some of these teams you're playing have some down or have some down year. Let's not get too excited here. I, I do agree they should be in the top 25. 21 is where they should have been to start. Yeah, they should have been 21 last week. That's what I'm, what I'm saying. They should never have been above 20. Yeah. Good program, but they don't have too many great athletes to keep them, keep, keep them there. They got to have a few more good recruiting class, classes to get in there. Yeah, I agree. But um, we'll move on. Number 20, Notre Dame. Obviously, they had that big win against Clemson and, and the, the big turnaround that we talked about earlier. Um, coming in at 20, it, it's pretty solid. Uh, though they are 6-3, and three, um, it's a big win. Uh, when you play, you know, maybe they were a fraud uh, where Clemson was ranked last week. But nonetheless, yeah. they beat a, a top five team. So you're obviously going to get rewarded for that. I think they're Kansas, the best six and three team personally. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, when it comes to the six and threes, um, I, I believe Texas is six and three. Texas, um, Kansas State, um, just in the top Florida 25 State. right here. Florida State, Kentucky. So we'll move on from Kansas State. Uh, Texas, the team we just mentioned, uh, coming in at 18. Um, they're, they're making a climb. Uh, it, it seems like Quinn is now like officially and fully back, and uh, the offense is really good. And I, I really do think that Texas has an interesting route to moving up into that top half uh, of the rankings by the end of the year. This, uh, I believe Texas is playing TCU this weekend. That's going to be a, a yes. game. I'm not going to lie. I'm not feeling too confident for TCU. Uh, do we know where it's being played? In Austin. I, 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 would, I would not be surprised if TCU ends up uh, losing that game to Texas in Austin. T, uh, Texas right now, a lot of energy behind them. Intimidating environment. They, can, you know, they have over 100,000 people that can sit in that stadium. Um, so we'll see... Um, We'll see when that game comes. I understand why college game days go in there now, because that's going to be a heck of a game. Yeah, for sure. And it has big implications on the college football playoff, because if we see TCU fall, um, that means that it, it's kind of going to be uh, a race between, you know, you know, Tennessee can't really do much uh, uh, to get up, um, but we're, we're still not there. So I want to talk about that once we yeah. get to TCU. But um, 17, Tulane. Um, uh, <laughs> A team that we talked about last week, and we're like, "Why are they here?" And then we realized why they're here, and they they keep impressing. So, uh, big ups to Tulane getting in at seventeen, and then NC State coming in at sixteen. I I don't really get it. Uh, NC State, they're not bad, they're not good. Like I guess sixteen is okay. I, I just I'm not impressed with NC State. Uh, that they did beat Florida State. Nothing fantastic about this team. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm about to put a lot of shade on the ACC here. I mean, it's not like I do for every conference. So I'm not really impressed by any ACC team. That no, not a single one's done anything to surprise, you know, anything big this year for me. They've all just kind of looked, you know, good. You know, they'll be good in bowl games, but it was very quickly into the season I realized there's going to be no ACC team in the playoff unless Clemson, of course, Goes undefeated. Yeah, which is obviously over. Um, okay, it, I'm going to sound biased because I am a Florida State fan, but I think Florida State this year has impressed compared to what we've seen these last couple years uh, of just horrible, horrible teams. This Florida State team is way overplaying where anybody expected them to be. 
they're definitely up, up, up and up again. They're getting the good recruits. I mean, a lot of people don't like him, and I don't know if he'll be there for, you know, another 10 years or how long he'll be there, but he'll be there for at least a little while. Mike Norvell's doing a good job getting some recruits in there, playing well. I do believe he still coaches like a um, like a small-time uh, group of five coach. He, he personally has a lot of progress to be made as a coach, I believe, if he wants to stay at Florida State. But, I mean, when it comes to recruiting and playing most games, he's looking pretty well or pretty good. And I believe, I believe Florida State's going to be pretty good here the next few years. I'm, yeah. I'm expecting in the next next year, eight and four. Uh, I'm hoping for them next year. So we'll, we'll just keep seeing as, as they progress. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and we'll kind of uh, get going on these next couple teams. So North Carolina coming in at 15. Uh, obviously, they're going to win their division uh, in the conference. Uh, most likely, it'll be them versus Clemson in the ACC championship. Uh, it'll probably be like a play to see who plays in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. But... Um, yeah, that, that game's going to be insignificant for the first time in, in, in kind of a little while. You know, normally Clemson is up there, and normally that game means a little bit. But, um, yeah, it'll be pretty useless this year. Uh, number 14, Penn State. Uh, they they stayed right where they were last week, and once again, I'm still not impressed by them. Yeah, there's nothing really impressive up there at Penn State. Can't win against a ranked team. Um, they'll end up going to a decent bowl game. Uh, I mean, I really hope they don't make a – I. this is going to sound mean, but I don't want them to make a big New Year's Six game. I just don't think they deserve it. I think there yeah. are other better teams. I Honestly, I'd rather see Tulane or UCF go to New Year's Six over them. Yeah, I don't agreed. usually say that. Yeah, Adrian Martinez uh, – or sorry, not Adrian Martinez. Uh, I'm thinking of a, a different old quarterback in college football, Sean Clifford. Um, it's not exciting. The run game – is lackluster, and uh, there there's not a single player on this Penn State team where I'm like, wow, I really want to see him play. So, um, also, I, I don't like James Franklin. He bothers me. I like him in the sense of it's really nice that they are finally – that, like, it's really nice for me to see that colleges are adding on those 10-plus-year extensions and all. For coaches, because I like I said it uh, last week, I hate the constant turnover in college football. The constant, oh, he didn't win this year, so we're gonna fire him, even though he had two good seasons before. Though you're gonna have your ups and downs, so I want him to do good. But I think when you look at the Big Ten, the best team, two teams are gonna be Michigan and Ohio State every single year, and I don't think that's gonna change ever. Yeah, I agree, but um. We'll move on. Number 13, Utah. Um, yeah, I get it. Utah is um, – they're, they're a good team. Um, obviously, the loss to Florida in week one kind of threw their entire season off the rails, but they've had some impressive wins. Um, and we talked about it last week. Utah is one of the hardest places to play. And um, they've definitely gotten themselves into a situation where they could end up messing a lot of things up. Uh, especially if they, um, I believe they play Oregon, and, and that'll kind of throw things off for the rest of the season. Really, like, yeah, they they play Oregon uh, week twelve, and that game could shake some things up. Yeah, I definitely think. Uh, has USC and UCLA played Utah yet, or are they? Even- um, USC played them. 
and, and Utah won. Uh, I'm not too sure if they're playing UCLA. Um, I don't know how the uh, Pac-12 does their divisions and all that crap. Okay, so actually they, they played UCLA the week before USC. Uh, they lost to UCLA 42-32. So their only two losses uh, is that first week against Florida and then uh, UCLA. Yeah, and I, I don't really think uh, for the Pac-12, I don't. I think it kind of goes for like some of these other conferences, I say, and some of the, uh, these group of five teams. Uh, they don't really play too many teams. Then they finally do play a good team, get beat. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of how it goes for them. So they're ranking them higher so they can try getting the Pac-12 team into the, into the final four or into the uh, top four. We'll see. Um, I don't really see too much from U.S. I mean, USC, in my opinion, honestly, USC is the best in the Pac-12. They're going to win the, champ- the Pac-12 championship. I don't think anybody out there is going to be able to oppose them too much. Sir, you're you had- wrong. Really? Yes, you're wrong. Oregon is the best team in the Pac-12. Oh, I completely forgot about Oregon. <laughs> I was just on to those two teams. So, you know, Oregon by far is the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, sorry. I completely forgot about them. Um, All right. Yeah, definitely it's going to be Oregon in there winning, and they're going to sneak in and get beat by Georgia again. Ooh, I like that take. Um, but number 11, Ole Miss. And I think Ole Miss got screwed. Only because they had a bye week in in the most crazy week possible, they had a bye week and it, it kind of screwed them over. They could definitely be in the top ten. Um, I believe I don't. This just goes because I'm not a fan of Clemson. I don't think Clemson should still be in the top ten. No, me neither. And I honestly don't think Alabama should be in the top ten either. I mean, I know in my rankings I still had them, still had them in there, but no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, I didn't? No, you didn't. You had UCLA at nine. Uh, no Alabama, no Clemson in your top ten. Yeah, I'd rather have these uh, Pac-12 teams in there over Alabama and Clemson. I understand Alabama only lost only losses are two, uh, two top ten teams. So I understand why they're still in there. So maybe a ten spot for them. But Clemson, certainly, I don't, they don't belong there. They didn't do anything impressive all year. I know they're only a one-loss Clemson team. But they don't deserve to be in the top ten. They're not good enough. Yeah, and, well, and you you put Clemson at ten. Uh, obviously, that's the next one we'd get to. Is is Clemson at ten? And what you're doing there is saying that Clemson at eight and one with a loss to Notre Dame is better than Ole Miss at eight and one with a loss to LSU. It it doesn't make sense that they put Clemson over Ole Miss. Now, here's a game I want to see. If Ole Miss can win out here, we're looking at Ole Miss versus Clemson in the Orange Bowl. That's going to be a hell of a game. Oh, yes. I, I like that. <laughs> so I, I, I think everybody in the nation needs to root for Ole Miss to beat Bama. I mean, everybody's going to because you know, nobody likes Bama. But if Ole Miss can win out, we're going to have one heck of an Orange Bowl looking at Cle- – because I'm assuming Clemson's going to win out. A Clemson versus Ole Miss Orange Bowl would be, would be a great game. Yeah, uh, I don't know how safe it is to assume that Clemson wins out. Um, obviously, oh, their schedule doesn't not, look but... crazy, but you know, everybody kind of checked off Notre Dame as a win. But uh, we'll move on. Number nine, Alabama. Um, yeah, I I think that's where they should be. Honestly, uh, I get that they have two losses. So does LSU. Uh, Alabama's losses happen to be to two top ten teams. LSU's losses happen to be to one of the same teams as Alabama. And then number twenty-three, Florida State. So I, I don't 
think Alabama looks as bad as... Sorry. They look much worse than their ranking, and they play pretty much right where they're ranked. Yeah. I mean, and something that like people kind of forget is their two losses. It's not like they got blown out. It went to the very, very, very end. They literally had to go into overtime for one of their losses. So it's not like they lost, uh, you know, lost badly. It was a very close game. I mean, game that they could have won if they didn't make some mistakes. So I, I do like their rank still in the top ten, but they do have two losses, and it's hard to say like a eight and one UCLA. You know, it's a it's a whole thing. Whatever. Let's move. All on. right. Uh, yeah. So we'll go to USC at number eight. Uh, I I think that's right where they should be. Um. Nothing about them makes me want to to argue for them to be higher, especially not over the next seven teams. I, I agree. Um, the next seven teams are mostly I agree with. Um, mostly, I could I can make some arguments for some other things, but you know we'll see as the season progresses. I think this is gonna yep. make this is just gonna make for the Ohio State Michigan game to be a, a you know a bigger game, which is always good. It's a it's a great rivalry. It's a great yep. game. And we knew that for the Big Ten, the two from the Big Ten was going to be Michigan or Ohio State. It's going to come down to that. Yeah, and then so we moved to um, uh, LSU at seven. Uh, they, that's, that's right where they deserve to be. Obviously, they had the two losses, but you beat Alabama, you move up. Yeah, and I don't think they're better than the next six teams. I mean, one of them, yeah. we, can, we can show evidence they're not better than. Maybe if they were to play now, it would be a completely different game. But when they played, they did not play to their best ability, and they let you know they got stopped. Yeah, it's a week to week game. Obviously, you know Tennessee looked great against LSU, who's now the team that beat Bama. But then you know this week, LSU looks great against Bama, and Tennessee looks like shit against Georgia. So yeah, um, that it's it's a game of weeks, and you know this week happened to not be Tennessee's week. And it is LSU's week. Uh, I don't even know if LSU is going to win out because, yes, the team looks great. They've made huge jumps this season. But going to Arkansas, and yes, Arkansas is having problems, it's not a lock for LSU to win. They're only favored by three. No, it isn't. I mean, their next two games are A&M and Arkansas. Now, I did say very confidently earlier that they're going to win out and win the West. But Arkansas and A&M are both pretty good. Road environment for them, or they have good home crowds. Both those games can get sold out at both A&M and Arkansas. The fans are going to be in the game for the whole game at both those stadiums. So we'll see how it ends up, and we'll see how Brian Kelly gets gets him prepared. If he lets him, you know, slack off at practice, or if he says he keeps him, they, you know, at this point in the year, you got to keep your head in, head in the game, nose down, and just into every game. Make it pl- play like you're playing Alabama every week. Uh, and so we move to number six, Oregon. Uh, once again, this is where they should be. Eight and one. Their only loss is to the number one team in the nation, who obviously we've seen will kick the shit out of these top teams. Um, they, they did it to Oregon, obviously, week one. But Oregon has made huge strides since week one. And I, I do think that Dan Lanning is doing a great thing up there. But the real spotlight's got to be on Bo Nix. I have to agree. I think that was a good, uh, good transfer portal pickup. Um, I, I've never, I was never really a big Bo Nix fan because to me, he reminded me exactly of Jake Fromm. 
had a great freshman year, and then every year after that, he kind of just was eh. Never really did think special to me. And then this year, moving to the Pac-12, I mean, definitely helped his career. Uh, just really playing to the best of his abilities right now, and you can tell. And he's having fun, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of have him right now uh, where I see it. I think he's number two for Heisman. I think C.J. Stroud will kind of get a, a break from this past week's performance uh, because of the weather, and you know every, the game was out of his control. So I think C.J. Stroud stays at one. I think Hendon drops into probably three uh, for Heisman. I think Bo Nix is two. Yeah, I uh, I definitely like seeing Bo up there. He's a he's a hell of a quarterback. Yeah, and like he was he was born to play for Auburn. He was born to be a college football quarterback, and that's for sure. You know, a name like Bo Nix. Obviously, his dad played at Auburn, so he's got the connections. He 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 is good for college football. Definitely, yeah. Um, college football. I mean, there's nothing like it, and it's. He is really – he is so good for college football. Yep, so we move on to uh, another guy who's really good for college football, and that's going to be Hendon Hooker's Tennessee. Um, obviously, they didn't do what they needed to against Georgia. Um, they, they looked like shit. Um, they looked inexperienced. And I think yeah. that, that offensive line, that, those false start penalties, absolutely killed them. Uh, the, that defense for Georgia – was so in their heads uh, by like the second drive of the game that you just knew Georgia was going to win. Yeah, I think this this week really showed Tennessee. Yeah, y'all, y'all, they were on their high horse, thought they were all that. Oh, we beat Bama. Oh, we beat LSU in Death Valley. This, that, the other, and they go into Georgia expecting it to be just a the, just another walk in the park almost. And Georgia on the first drive opening kickoff, let them know, hey, everybody's been counting us out. They ranked y'all number one. All right, that's great. Look at it. Watch us. And yeah. they they really exposed them for what they were. They they came in cocky. They came in comp, overconfident. They didn't they definitely underestimated Georgia. So yeah. I think it's always it was for Georgia, that was a great game. And you know, for Tennessee that was not because it just exposed them. Yeah, and if Tennessee does get lucky enough to make it into the playoff, they're most likely going to get in at four, and I don't see Georgia moving out of number one. So we might just see it one more time. And I know that uh, the, uh, the the rematch hasn't normally boded well. A lot of times, you know, you're not going to get the 2-0 and versus a team. Uh, we saw it last year with Bama and Georgia after SEC championship and then the, to the championship game. But... Um, yeah, I, I don't think this Tennessee team has a, a chance against Georgia uh, if they play again in the college football playoff. I mean, we can also see a scenario. I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, Georgia goes 9-0. and Ohio State or Michigan goes 9-0. And then you have a couple teams, you know, three through 10 debatably that are going to be sitting at 11-1. and Conference champion, 11-1. and Conference, not a conference champion or runner-up in the conference at 11-1. So we'll see a lot of people like this. And we'll, we'll have to definitely see that uh, pulls out in the end. But Tennessee does have a chance to get in at maybe three, maybe not. We I don't know yet. Because they, if they beat the hell out of the rest of their opponents this season, I couldn't see a situation where you would want to put in like a, let's just say an 11-1 TCU over a, you know, 11-1. and I mean, yeah, TCU may be a conference champion, but Tennessee at 11-1, their only loss is to the I, conference champion. TCU at number four. Um 
this puts a ton of weight on this game this weekend, TCU-Texas. Um, if TCU doesn't come out and play extremely well, it, it, you can't have a mediocre performance like you had against Texas Tech and expect to win against Texas in Austin. Yeah, I mean, if they can pull up the win here in Austin and they can go undefeated, they, deserve, they, they 100% deserve to be in, in the playoffs. But, I mean, there's so many situations, and that's something we can get into later on down the road. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot that we can speculate here and look into, but we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out. Yeah, and then uh, we get into our top three, which uh, now that you've heard everybody, and I'm sure you've already seen it, it's pretty obvious. Number three, Michigan, um, of course. Uh, I, I still kind of think that Michigan has a few more I feel like they win in a couple more categories than this Ohio State team. Obviously, Ohio State has the the passing game, but Michigan has the best run game in the country. They've got a top defense, and they're they're just all around a very good team. They are, and I, I think something. Yeah, like you said, they're all around a good team. They are not. I think uh, defense. Or sorry, when Michigan and Ohio State play rivalry week, I think what we're gonna see. Is a uh, is Michigan? They're definitely gonna try and make Ohio State one dimensional, and I think they're gonna be able to do that. And I think that's how Michigan might be able to pay, pull it off over Ohio State. A lot of people are gonna disagree with me and still say Ohio State's the better team. I mean, I even have Ohio State ranked higher than Michigan in that uh, top ten we did after this weekend. I mean, I've been sitting and thinking about it. I think as of right now, like you said, in some categories, I think uh, I think Michigan might be the better team, but we won't see for another few weeks. Yeah, and then number two, Ohio State. Number one, Georgia. There's not much to talk about there. Obviously, Ohio State, rough game this past week, but you can't really base it on anything uh, outside of the weather. And then Georgia, you know, you beat number one, you got to take their spot. Yep. Uh, Something that, I mean, I make excuses a lot, but I do hate the excuses we give people. Can we just say they played a shitty game? Because, I mean, they really did. I understand the weather, weather was terrible, and we can add that into account to the game, but they just we, – we talked about earlier in this, uh, in this talk, but they just played shitty. They, yes. They're they, just a one-dimensional they didn't team. Play well, and, and, yes, they are one-dimensional. But you got you to gotta give credit to their passing game and their offense. They were able to make something out of nothing. Exactly. It, it, if this was any other team – that was pass heavy. If this was a, a, a Mississippi State playing in these conditions, they're not scoring a fucking point. Oh no, Mississippi. Yeah, I mean, we see how they are every week. They, first off, they can't even win outside. If they're not home, they're not winning the game. Yeah, there's that's a true. lot of issues <laughs> on that team. And I, I mean, I don't want to get into that because I mean, we were talking about teams that deserve being top twenty-five. I mean, when you when you can barely even beat Auburn and your head coach on the sidelines folding up your chairs because y'all don't deserve to sit, in his opinion. Dude, that, some- that might be the funniest thing I've ever seen a coach do because, like, he could have gotten an assistant coach to do it. But, no, he walked over and folded up their chairs and tossed them on the ground. It was hilarious. I, that was so funny to me. I mean, I get it. They, they weren't playing good. And if they were just sitting down there on their butts the whole time, I'd be like, you know what, y'all stand. You know, I get it. I understand it. That's something my high school coaches would have done to me. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes players just need to be reminded, hey, you're just a player. You're not a god or anything. You're just a football player. Yeah. Uh, so I do want to go ahead. Uh, uh, I'm going to present you your grade 
uh, for your top 10 accuracy. Let's go. All right. Number 10. No. Uh, you had Ole Miss. <laughs> number nine. No. You had UCLA. Number eight, <laughs> USC. So you're one for three there. Uh, you, missed, you, you switched Oregon and LSU. Um, and then Michigan, completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could go back and switch, like put Ohio State at four, put Michigan at three, and then TCU at two. <laughs> and then um, you missed Tennessee. You missed on TCU. And, of course, you got one and two. So a, a three for ten. You got a 30. Um, hey, that's hopefully, passing. Hopefully you get some extra credit next week. But um, and then for me, not to brag, I missed on Ohio State. Alabama's correct. USC's correct. LSU's correct. Oregon's correct. I only missed on Tennessee and TCU. I flipped them. I thought Tennessee would get four only because they're the number one team. They lose to number three. I I don't really see why TCU moved up to four outside of they haven't lost. I was about to say, the only reason the top four are the top four is because they're all undefeated. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously then, Georgia deserves to be number one, of course. Yes, and then uh, I, I got Michigan, Ohio State, Georgia. So I got a seventy. Um, you know what? We have our days. We have our moments. Hey, this was my yeah. one bad. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and there's always next week. Always next week. You know. Uh, I'll, I'll say this though. Not a Georgia fan, but I will put this. I will put it in the mail right now. I will be seeing. We will be seeing Georgia in the national championship against whom I don't know quite yet. I want to see the season play out a little more, but definitely we will be seeing Georgia national championship as an SEC champion. I like it. And um, one final thing: if you guys do want to see the weekly top tens uh, and, and all of our other clips and content, uh, go check out the social media accounts. Uh, we're on Twitter, TikTok. Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, go check all those out. It'll obviously keep you in the know with uh, when episodes are coming out. And yeah, I think that's all I've got. Anything else you wanted to talk about from this week, Brock? Oh, man, uh, not not anything I really think of. Just love football. Excited for this week and get some big games this weekend. And uh, can't wait to watch them and come back to you and talk to talk about them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we'll see you guys next week. Uh, that's going to round it out for this uh, iteration of Second and Short.